Support comes from the Norton Simon Museum, presenting the film series Testigo Witness, Goya in the Movies. Held on select Fridays in May, each film touches upon artist Francisco de Goya's visions of the world, kicking off with Pan's Labyrinth by Guillermo del Toro on May 10th at NortonSimon.org. You have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from Alleist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes, too, when you donate now at LAist.com slash sweeps. It's Film Week on LAist 89.3. I'm Larry Mantle with a trio of critics this week, and we thank you for your financial support for Film Week on LAist, our very dedicated critics who each week they're on the program see a multitude of films. This week are Amy Nicholson, who writes on film for the New York Times and hosts the podcast Unspooled, Wade Major of Synagogues.com, and Charles Solomon, the animation authority with Animation Scoop, and Animation Magazine. We begin with the concert film that made other movies turn tail and run for this week. Taylor Swift, The Eras Tour, rated PG-13, taking three hours of footage from her SoFi Stadium concerts back in August. Amy, how did the concert transfer to film? Oh, wow. Well, I have to admit right up at the top, I did not enter this theater a Swifty. But I can say with confidence that this documentary immediately goes on that list of the great concert documentaries. Wow. Yet not only do you have this artist who's, you know, at the height of her career doing this epic, epic stadium tour. This tour itself is about, as the title says, going through the eras of her career. You know, the high school country tunes, big pop bangers, the vengeful hits, the piano ballads, you know, her pandemic folky era. It's all here. And so the way that the film kind of feels when you put it together is that you're basically getting like a biography of an artist, an artist who is very personal and writes all of her songs very intimately about her life. And so you get to really hear the Taylor Swift story just through her music. This is straight documentary. There's no behind-the-scenes interviews. There's no straight-to-camera talk. It is just her on stage, very little chit-chat between songs. And I have to say, like, visually, when you put this together, yes, this is so long, the energy does not flag, and neither does the visual style because... Each of these eras are done in a really different look. There's like glitter bombs and black leather stages. There's a part that's just druid. I don't even know how to explain it. She comes out with a moss-covered piano. And it really is like wonderful. Like I don't actually know how this director, Sam Ranch, even pulled this off because you never even see other cameras on the set. It just looks completely as intimate as being there. I mean, you're that close to her, like really close to her in this giant, giant stadium. You can really see how much... She's working. I mean, her bangs get messy. Her hair kind of goes from flat iron to a little bit like wavy, frizzy. You get to really appreciate her background dancers. I mean, she's hired these people not so much to be like robot automatons, as is kind of the style these days, but people who have like a lot of their own personality kind of coming forth. And it really is just kind of incredible to watch this phenomenon, I guess, like a performer who she's emotive, she's vulnerable, she makes a joke about being like a lonely millennial covered in cat hair, and yet she's at the center of this spectacle, and she has just this like confidence of controlling the stage, controlling the camera, controlling the audience. It's really kind of just an unusual production. So while I did not enter the theater a Swifty, 
I absolutely left converted. You sound converted. Do you know, <laughs> is it sequential in the way that the concert was presented, or did they reconfigure it for the film? It feels to me exactly the way the concert presents it, but the concert doesn't present it in biographical order. So it kind of, it, it does sort of like a rising fall of moods. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour. It's rated PG-13. Sam Wrench is the aforementioned director. And, and the distribution of this is so interesting, Amy, because apparently Swift's team um, signed AMC theaters just directly. They didn't go the typical way that you would exhibit a film like this. Yeah, and you can tell that AMC has really gone all in on this. We were at the premiere last night. I want a tiny shout-out to our producer, Lucy Kopp, who got us there. Um, at the Grove, yeah. At the Grove, and they shut down the entire Grove. AMC had the clout to shut down the Grove. I'm talking Nordstrom's, the Cheesecake Factory. It all shuttered in honor of Taylor Swift being there. That's how much they believe in this film. We're talking about Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour, rated PG-13 in wide release. Anatomy of a Fall, at least in part, sounds like a courtroom drama. The French thriller stars uh, Sandra Huller. The film's directed by Justine Trier, who co-wrote the screenplay with Arthur Harari. Uh, the film is in French, English, uh, and German with subtitles. It was the winner of the Palm d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival. Wade, what did you think of Anatomy of a Fall, the story of a German writer uh, arrested for killing her husband? Yes, this is an expertly made film. Justine Trier has been on the, the ascent for about a decade now. This is her fourth film. She's one of the most acclaimed filmmakers in France. So, And, and this is the second, only the third woman to win the Palme d'Or second in a row. So Cannes seems to be kind of uh, expanding its horizons. I will say this, even though it is expertly made, it's still basically an art house jagged edge. Now, that doesn't mean it's less ridiculous than Jagged Edge. It just means that it's more sophisticated and palatable in its ridiculousness. So you don't notice it unless you really think about it. But the whole construct of the story is just a, a kind of a house of cards of contrivances. And the way that she resolves it is with even more contrivances. So I'm not a big fan of courtroom dramas to begin with. So I'm, I'm outside that circle. But Say it ain't so 12 angry what's, men. What I, yeah. <laughs> what, I, what I will say is that the French court system is very different. So people will look at this, and I think they will find something compelling in, in wondering, why aren't there more objections? How can you badger a witness? All these things that we take for granted with English common law, you can kind of get away with in, in the French system. So that aspect of it, I think, will be very interesting to people. But if you think too much about it, the whole thing falls apart. We're talking about Anatomy of a Fall, the French drama. Amy? Yeah, Tread is really after this idea of a film that's about the impossibility of knowing. You know, to be on trial is to tell a story, your story of what people think happened. To be in a marriage is to tell your story of how you think this marriage went. And so she's driving at this idea that there is no conclusive truth in the world. I mean, even the actress who's like at the star of this, Sandra Huller, who's amazing, uh, has like said that Triet never even told her if her character was innocent or guilty. And so you're watching well, this film that is like... Yeah, so you're watching a film where it's all about that feeling of uncertainty, which I will say, after two and a half hours of feeling inconclusive, it's a little bit of a frustrating watch. You know, when you watch a courtroom drama, there's a little part of you that wants to look for clues, see if you can figure it out, and this does not let you do that in the slightest. Mm -hmm. It does at least have kind of a sense of humor. One of the kind of things of the trial that becomes interesting is when the man dies, he has been blasting this instrumental cover of 50 Cent's PIMP <laughs> so loudly and so they're at the trial. Everybody's like, 
how did you, how are you claiming you took a nap while this was happening? <laughs> and so it is kind of funny. It's about these like things that we do in a marriage. She's like, I don't know. He always plays music like that. I just dealt with it. But when you say out loud the things that you compromise on, they sound absolutely ridiculous. And I enjoy that idea. But I did find this movie just ultimately a little too aggravating and cerebral for me. Anatomy of a Fall, a French film starring Sandra Huller, uh, Justine Trier is the director and co-screenwriter. It's rated R, and you can see Anatomy of a Fall in select theaters. The documentary The Mission, um, about which we talked uh, last week with the directors of the film, tells the story of young missionary John Chow, then 26 years of age, who spent considerable time training training for making contact with the inhabitants of a very remote island off the coast of India. It's one of the last communities on the planet still living in isolation. And about the single-mindedness with which John Chaw undertook uh, this mission, and uh, Chow ended up uh, being killed uh, as he approached the island. Uh, The film is directed by Amanda McBain and Jesse Moss, uh, who did uh, Boys State. Uh, Amy, what did you think of the mission? This is a marvelous documentary. Absolutely marvelous. I mean, when John Chow's death uh, was announced, you know, he immediately turned into sort of just this symbol, this parable, you know, kind of a shorthand story for all these competing ideas about like religion and radicalism and faith and colonialism. And here, I think this film does a really fair job just understanding him, you know, and not in a way that means like blind empathy for his decisions, but in a way where he's humanized as not just this like metaphor, but as, you know, more than a dumb, cocky, unprepared kid, which he was sort of painted in in the media and which you realize here he was not at all, not at all that kid. And so what I found really fascinating about this is, you know, we're learning about him through like his diaries, which are narrated by an actor. And his father also submitted a very long letter about powerful his. yeah. Yeah. And he's really grappling with like guilt and confusion of how his son wound up on this mission. And and what the documentary does besides that is like it really builds out to be about our cultural ideas overall of like explorers and tribes and the books and the movies that influenced him, that influence how all of us kind of think of it. And National Geographic even spins the lens a little bit back on itself. And it says, yeah, we're guilty of preferring to print photos where, you know, indigenous people are holding spears and looking dangerous. They sell better. And so it takes this story and really builds it out. And I have to say, the the people who are interviewed here, really fascinating. There's a man who spent 20 years trying to convert a tribe in the Amazon, and he winds up becoming kind of the harshest critic here. Yeah, and in fact loses his faith after he returns as well. He's a fascinating subject of the documentary. We'll hear what Charles and Wade thought about the mission as well, the biographical documentary from National Geographic Films directed by Amanda McBain and Jesse Moss. In case you missed that interview last week, you'll find it wherever you get your podcasts or at LAist.com slash filmweek. Back with more reviews in a minute. Support for LAS comes from Latino Theatre Company at the Los Angeles Theatre Center, presenting the world premiere of Ghost Waltz by Oliver Mayer, a bold original recovery of Juventino Rosas, one of Mexico's most significant composers. Follow Rosas from his father's early death to his friendship with ragtime genius Scott Joplin, now on stage through June 2nd. Tickets and information at latinotheaterco.org.
Support for LAist comes from the Norton Simon Museum, presenting the film series Testigo Witness, Goya in the Movies, held on select Fridays in May. Each film touches upon Spanish artist Francisco de Goya's visions of the world, including Pan's Labyrinth by Guillermo del Toro and The Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie by Luis Buñuel. Screenings are at 4.30 p.m. on four consecutive Fridays starting May 10th. More information at nortonsimon.org. It's Film Week on LAS 89.3. I'm Larry Mantle. Thank you so much for your support. I am joined by the gifted critics Charles Solomon, Wade Major, and Amy Nicholson, and we're in the midst of their review of the documentary The Mission Tells the Story of 26-Year-Old American Missionary John Chow Killed as he attempted to make contact with the people living on very remote North Central Island off the coast of India. It's a National Geographic documentary. Charles, what did you think? Well, I hope you don't take back the gift because uh, I wasn't as taken with this film, I'm afraid. As someone who studied European history extensively and has two degrees in it, I'm more aware of the effects of European colonization and the disaster it was for indigenous peoples. And Chow imagines himself as somewhere between someone out of a Stevenson novel and St. Francis Xavier and he can't wait to go and annihilate whatever culture the people on this remote island have and set himself up as their divine savior. The fact that he's willing to break the law, to lie, to put other people in danger, and to put the whole tribe that he is thinking he's going to bring to God in danger by exposing them to who knows what diseases they have never had any contact with that he has I spent most of the film wanting to slap him silly. Um, But those criticisms are in the film. Yeah, but they're also balanced against his adoring friend who never ceases to sort of be just looking up with him with the eyes of a spaniel waiting for a treat. And I, again, I was just completely infuriated. This is the, this guy's mentality of trying to be this 19th century uh, hero crossed with uh, an age of exploration, Francis Xavier, is what cost so many people their lives and cultures, and that doesn't even occur to him. He's bringing the heathen to the light. I actually kept thinking of Noel Coward's song about uh, Uncle Harry's not a missionary now. So I'm afraid I wasn't as enthusiastic as uh, the rest of you were. The Mission is the documentary film. Wait, what did you think? Loved it. This is a Conradian voyage to the edge of the world. And it takes you into psychological territory that I find incredibly compelling. It, it sits there at the crossroads of faith and fanaticism and courage and destiny and all of these contradicting ego. and ego and all of these contradictory and conflicting ideas. And I, and I get where Charles is coming from, but I, what I liked was that the filmmakers do what is so hard in documentary filmmaking. They don't judge. They don't judge anyone. They let them judge each other. Everyone that they talk to is is very opinionated, and they all have very strong opinions. But they say we're going to let bag, we're going to let this play out, and we're going to explore this incredibly tragic moment and what led up to it because it made stories around the world, but nobody explained it to us. We've all been sitting around for all these years waiting for somebody to take this story and go, "Here's what here's what happened." I didn't even realize that you know that Chow was mixed race. 
That's fascinating. I mean, here he's got a Chinese father, an American mother, and he's raised in this evangelical environment, but even his religious father finds that to be fanatical. Like, there's, there are all these degrees of, of religiosity going on. There's so many things in this mix. And at the end, I, I found myself thinking, I, you know, I'm not even sure where I come down on a lot of this, but it's got me thinking. And I'm yeah. going to be thinking about this for a long time. And I liked it when you're describing Wade about his father. His father's a very devout man. Very devout man. And, and yet he, the, he really excoriated the people that he felt. A strain of evangelicalism that he views as a bill of goods. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Well, Even he, he talks about there being both colonialist and imperialist in that theology and their approach to it. Yeah. Uh, and of course, he's right. We're talking about The Mission, the biographical documentary from National Geographic directed by Amanda McBain and Jesse Moss. It's rated PG-13. Again, our interview with the filmmakers aired on last week's Film Week. If you'd like to check that out at las.com slash filmweek. Uh, the movie's being shown at Lemley's Town Center 5 in Encino and Lemley's Monica Film Center in Santa Monica. The drama Story Avenue uh, gives the uh, tale of a South Bronx teen, Kadir, who's a gifted visual artist. His younger brother dies, and that sends Kadir into a downward spiral. And he ends up getting involved with a graffiti gang. Uh, in the film, he also ends up um, in trying to rob an MTA conductor, uh, ends up with a deal being made between the conductor and younger Kadir. Uh, the film is not rated. Wait, what did you think of Story Avenue? Tremendous. Uh, this reminded me of those great indies that we used to get in the 90s, and we don't get them anymore. You know, they're all, they're all kind of having a hard time. Uh, so I, I give all credit to Aristotle Torres, directing debut, very successful. Co-wrote in, it. Co-wrote it, very successful in music videos and commercials, and he just brings it here. It's a, it is a wonderful story. It's basically about these two characters. Uh, you know, uh, Asante Black is the young kid who gets in with, you know, he's a really talented artist, but he's looking for community, he's looking for something, and he's challenged to, you know, show that show us what you can do, hold somebody up, rob somebody. And he winds up trying to rob uh, Luis Guzman, who isn't having it, who just <laughs> sounds says... sounds like what, great casting. Who, who just says, what are you doing? Come on, let me buy you a sandwich. And, you know, the kid, the, it's just, it's the right time, the wrong moment, but the right time for this friendship. And... It just it, it and neither of these characters goes where you think they're going to go thereafter, and the friendship doesn't go where you think it's going to go. But it's such a wonderful, honest human ride. I loved everything about. So this it movie. didn't feel contrived. Oh, the not at all. Not it at was all. earned. And they're such good actors. I I mean, Luis Guzman has been waiting his whole career for something to sink his teeth into like this. Yeah, this sounds like such great casting. Amy, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, when Luis Guzman comes out and just uses all of his movie star charm and takes this entire movie and puts it into his pocket, you're like, oh, yes. <laughs> you're yes, you're yes. amazing in it. I mean, this story really impressed me. The plot, when you describe it in a sentence, it might sound, oh, familiar. You've seen this movie 900 times. But really, Aristotle Torres, he is a filmmaker who I think does his absolute best to puncture cliches. This is a movie that zigs and zags, takes, takes unexpected turns, really becomes about a conversation about this young kid learning the language of art. What is art supposed to do? Well, you know, is it... How does it provoke? How does it claim space? And he has another mentor on the other side of it, you know, the leader of this graffiti gang, who's like, you need to do your art outside of the system. Don't become a commodity, which is its own strong argument on the other hand of it. 
But you also have to compliment Aristotle Torres because, yeah, he came up through music videos. He has real style as a director, absolute style. And you can tell that he's kind of paying homage to a lot of the directors who inspired him. There's an opening sequence here that is just a giant nod to, like, legendary 90s music video director Hype Williams in his film, Belly, Black Light sequence. Gorgeous. He's got these unexpected camera angles, little touches of magical realism. Genuine talent. I'm really glad that this movie got. But he out knows there. where to pull it back. He's he's not. It's not one of those directing debuts where he just kind of throws everything at the wall and says, "Hey, let me show you what I can do." He knows where the flourishes need to stick, and he knows where he needs to kind of let the actors take take control of the movie. Sounds terrific. Story Avenue is the film. It's not rated. It's at Lemley's Royal Theater in West L.A. Stars Asante Black and Luis Guzman. Aristotle Torres, the director and co-screenwriter with Bonsu Thompson. My Love Affair with Marriage, an animated comedic drama. Uh, the film was written and directed by Signa Bauman. Uh, what did you think, Charles, of My Love Affair with Marriage? Uh, Bauman is a really interesting figure. She's got a lot of attention on the festival circuit for her first feature, Rocks in My Pocket, that dealt with depression and suicide attempts in three generations of the women in her family. Uh, in contrast to the kind of gut-wrenching uh, emotions of that film, this is somewhat lighter. Uh, the main character thinks all her problems will be solved if she gets married, and she tries a couple of times with mixed success, uh, but she's divided the film up. There is the story of this character, there's a kind of animated cell who is narrating what the chemicals in her brain are doing at these moments. And there's a trio of kind of harpy angel singers bursting into little bits of song here and there. And you feel like she's trying to keep one too many balls in the air. The filmmaking is still interesting. She's clearly, you know, a talent and someone who can make a film on her own and keep our attention but Rocks in My Pocket was more focused and much more powerful uh, in a way that, that this isn't. This is funnier. It's entertaining. It will probably play to a larger audience. But I don't think it's quite as strong a film, but very much by an interesting artist. We're talking about the animated feature, My Love Affair with Marriage, from writer-director Signa Bauman. Uh, Wade, what did you think? Yeah, I was breaking out in a cold sweat last night trying to figure out how to explain the story here. <laughs> because it really is, it's sort of very ethereal and episodic. Um, the And I kept thinking it's kind of like a very art house inside out, like Pixar's inside yeah. out when they delve into her brain and show you the, you know, what, what chemicals are going where. And it's sort of all in the brain and in the genitals. It's it's one or the two. And and that stuff was engaging, but at the same time I I I never felt completely emotionally connected to the to the through line. And that was the the weak spot for me. So I mean it is technically really, really impressive and very engaging. Um, but emotionally I never I never made that extra jump. Yeah, Charles, did you feel that emotional connection? No, I I agree with Wade and I think part of the problem is that the um Heroine Zelma just seems kind of credulous and not as interesting as you would want her to be. You feel sort of sorry for getting herself in these messes, but you keep thinking, for heaven's sakes, woman, think about what you're doing. <laughs> you didn't feel that with the characters in Rocks in My Pockets. You were so concerned about them, and she portrayed that trauma so effectively that 
Yeah, you just don't like her that well. We're talking about the animated film, My Love Affair with Marriage. It's unrated. You can see it at Lemley's Royal in West Los Angeles and Lemley's Glendale Theater in Glendale. We have more reviews to come with our critics, Wade, Amy, and Charles, when we come back on Film Week in just a moment. It's Film Week on LAist 89.3. I'm Larry Mantle with critics Charles Solomon, Amy Nicholson, and Wade Major. Up next, Dear David, a horror thriller starring Augustus Prue, Cameron Nichol, directed by John McPhail, and written by Evan Turner and Mike Van Wace. Uh, Amy, what did you think of the thriller Dear David? Yeah, this is a horror thriller about the Internet based on a real episode of Internet history. There was this BuzzFeed journalist who started telling scary stories online about a ghost boy named David that he saw in his house. And I remember this. Viral. It became a big thing. Yeah. It became a big thing. So this is about the guy, Adam, who says he saw David. In short, this is a movie, you know, by BuzzFeed, about BuzzFeed, about how working at BuzzFeed and reading too much BuzzFeed can destroy your brain <laughs> and make you go a little bit... A little bit unstable, make you a little bit unstable. Um, and, and in that co- note, there is Justin Long in here as this guy Adam's boss at BuzzFeed who's always talking about metrics. He is the perfect blend of like <laughs> fatuous, idiotic, funny, marvelous character. Um, but this film didn't totally work for me. And I was really excited to watch it because the director, John McPhail, his last film was this really genre bridging Christmas horror musical called Anna and the Apocalypse. Amazing film. Here he's trying to bridge like horror comedy and like an internet cyber commentary and it just doesn't really work it's never that scary it's never that funny ultimately it's never really that engaging dear david is the film wade yeah i love down in the apocalypse i play the soundtrack in the car all the time oh wow and uh but i and i and i like john mcphail i think he's a very very talented filmmaker i i think this is very competently put together but at the same time based on a real event yeah, it's stretching it. I mean, yes, there was a BuzzFeed guy and it was a thing. And then, and then this just sort of embellishes, what if it was all real? And there was this kid. And then you kind of go down the traditional horror rabbit hole and, and none of it. It's like what Amityville Horror always did. You know, it just takes a few circumstantial details and then you just kind of blow it up in everyone's worst fears, which, of course, is not at all what happened. So I, I never really got inside of this. It just felt like a lot of gimmicks. Dear David is rated R. It's a delusion. Music Hall Theater in Beverly Hills. Joan Baez, I Am a Noise, uh, another music biography this week, this on a, a veteran performer, of course, Joan Baez, Mira Navasky, uh, Maeve O'Boyle, and Karen O'Connor are the three directors of the music documentary. Wait, what did you think? I thought it was great. And, you know, Joan Baez has kind of faded into a certain generation's memory and more current generations, even my generation, aren't that familiar with her. I mean, I grew up knowing her as kind of a you know middle-aged lady with salt and pepper hair who occasionally sang on a TV show. What she meant during that counterculture moment with Dylan and all of the others was much more significant and where she came from religiously and ethnically, um, you know, half Mexican, all of this stuff, 
is really an important part of the story. And uh, revisiting all of that, it, it for me at least, it just kind of recast my conception of her and deepened my understanding of her and her music and, you know, where she is today in, in you know, a late stage of life and, and kind of uh, changing her life priorities but still being very much involved in music. I thought it was a really, really wonderful portrait of an artist. Uh, I, oh, okay. I was curious, did they include the um, controversy with her and Al Cap in it? They did not. And isn't that interesting? Yeah, that was that. I, I was thinking of that too. What, what, what? For oh, those he, of us not familiar, oh, what was uh, he caricatured in his strip the in the later days, Al yeah, Al Cap of Lil Abner, when he got very right wing and he drew her as Joni Phony, uh, who was out espousing good causes but singing for them rather than donating money or doing something. It was a really ugly caricature, and she very maturely just kind of brushed it off. But it was a there was a lot of uh, ink about that back in the day. Joan Baez, I am a noise. The documentary is unrated. It's at the New Art uh, Theater in West Los Angeles and at six of the Lemley locations. Mister Organ, a documentary about journalist and filmmaker David Ferrier, who directs this film also, and uh, how he ends up trying to deal with a, a person wreaking havoc in his neighborhood. Amy, this sounds like an interesting premise for a documentary. <laughs> very much. I mean, when David Ferrier makes a documentary, you want to watch his documentaries. He occupies a very specific niche in the documentary world. He's a New Zealand journalist who I would say specializes in finding odd, seemingly small stories and pulling on these threads until he reveals a absolutely chaotic story with usually a person at the center who does not want to be talked about. His last film was Tickled, where he started getting into online tickling videos, and it turned into that. such a kerfuffle that the guy he was talking about hired protesters to protest the film at Sundance. And now so weird. he's working with somebody, he's, he's trying to understand a person who's just as, as upsetting. This story starts when he realizes there's an antique shop, and at this antique shop in the middle of the night, if you park in front of it when the owner doesn't want you to, a guy clamps your tires with a tire clamp and then forces people to pay him like $760 in, in New Zealand money to get your tire out. And he's like, well, who's this guy? And when he starts exploring the story of this tire clamper, who turns out to be a fake prince, who turns out to be somebody who <laughs> all of his roommates refer to as Satan himself, you wind up just with this really almost unhinged character study. He calls it like going into a black hole. And you, this man that he's interviewing, Michael Organ, or he's trying to understand... It's kind of, he's kind of wrestling with somebody toxic who refuses to be pinned down. He becomes almost this indefeatable boogeyman. It's this what this film turns into a documentary a documentary filmmaker realizing he can't unpack this person. And what do you do when somebody just lies all the time to you? And is the story even worth telling? And is that and you change your mind watching it? Is it worth telling? And then this guy is hurting people. But he oh wow he really is hurting people. But it, it's almost like about the process of making a film, even as much as it is this film itself. And how does Ferrier even, you wonder how this little seed of an idea about a guy who's booting uh, cars in front of an antique store ends up with this whole wild story. It's amazing. It is wild. And there are some moments in here that are just creepy. It becomes a real battle between these two men. The documentary Mr. Organ, uh, David Ferrier is the director. It's unrated. It's at the Alamo Draft House downtown L.A., the Lumiere Music Hall in Beverly Hills and uh, starting uh, late next month we'll be streaming on Apple TV Plus. Uh, we're going to spend uh, about two minutes on Animation is Film Festival which is really our 
premier local festival for animation. It's running October 18th through the 22nd. That's next Wednesday through Sunday. And at the center of it, The Boy and the Heron, uh, Miyazaki's first feature film in a decade. Charles. It's also his first feature film in IMAX, which I am very curious to see. It's an amazing film, but it is a big film. And I think I'm going to feel like one of those Memorex ads and be plastered against the uh, uh, the seat. Um, I'm a judge, full disclosure, and there are some very interesting foreign and independent films here. There was a film that showed at uh, Cannes, Chicken for Linda, a French comedy with a little bit of Hubley influence that was an absolute delight. Um, I'm hoping it wins. It's just a charming film. The uh, festival closes with the new Artman film, Chicken Run, The Birth of the Nugget, which is lots of fun. They should have called it Chicken Impossible. Uh, Enjoyed that so much. And there are some other independent films um, from Japan, from France, uh, from Korea, from China. And it's just a reminder that animation is more than the big studio films that we primarily see here, that there is an art there. And it's an event, you know, well worth seeing if you're at all interested in the art form. The venue, by the way, for the Animation is Film Festival is the TCL Chinese Theaters, uh, and that's also where you can see the IMAX presentation of The Boy and the Heron, uh, which will go into wide release later this year, but this will be the first opportunity for attendees of, of this festival who will actually be able to see it. That'll be next Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock at the TCL Chinese Theaters. Well, for our critics, Wade Major, Amy Nicholson and Charles Solomon. I'm Larry Mantle. It's Film Week on LAist 89.3. We so appreciate your support for all that we provide and our critics who are completely dedicated through their love of film, sharing what they do with listeners just like you. With that in mind, we ask for your support right now. Thank you so much. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps.